Whispering in His Ear, the devotional, explores talking and listening to God's message for us. Now, read God's voice in how to listen, a new companion study guide to the original devotional that provides discussion questions and more insight to the scripture that reveals how God talks to us. Get the series on Amazon. I was a Pharisee. I mean, I think that's an easy way to sum it up. And that's part of the product of growing up as, as a good girl is you, you start to you know believe your own press. It's a twofer on the show today. Stay tuned to hear Amanda Jenkins talk about her life and the hit TV show about Jesus, The Chosen, which has just wrapped up season three. And then listen to the Reverend Leah Shade speak about Sam Smith's provocative performance on the Grammys and how entertainment uses imagery of evil to sell. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome to Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and here we discover the true meaning of joy and learn that it's not just a feeling, it's faith. Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 15 that we can be filled with the only joy that will complete us simply by abiding in the Father's love and doing His will. This season, we will explore finding joy by walking with God in our everyday lives. Stay with us and hear other stories as they too have walked this path of discovery. Amanda Jenkins is the wife of Dallas Jenkins, creator of The Chosen. But Amanda is an important part of the show in her own right. She talks about her contributions and her important faith walk that helped her and Dallas say yes to this amazing gift from God, The Chosen. Here's Amanda. Hi, Amanda Jenkins. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Well, so listeners of this show will know that I've actually talked to your husband a couple of times, once on this show and then once on Clubhouse, which also made it to this show. But we've never had you on, and I'm so happy about that uh, because you play a huge role in The Chosen. And I don't know if people know that or even if they do, I don't know, but you do. And so I want to talk a little bit about that today. Um, and obviously, you know, we all know Dallas and, and you know, we, we see him on the live streams all the time. My husband there. <laughs> Is Dallas talking again? Yes, he's talking. <laughs> but we but we don't see you that much. And, um, you know, he but he talks about you uh, and, and his family and how that's so important to him, certainly in conversations I've had with him. So, uh, again, having you on, I think, is really great. Thank you. And I want to get started talking with you a little bit about your faith walk, basically how you got to where you are today as far as spiritually. 
Well, um, the older you get, that becomes a longer answer, right? So, <laughs> That's um, so true. Let me uh, condense it down. I um, I, I grew up in a, in a great Christian home, loving parents. Um, but I think in some ways, you know, I'm, I'm watching it with my own kids now as they're coming of age into their late teens and, and early 20s is that you have to make your faith and your, your choices and your um, desire to follow your own, right? And so... Um, did that as an early married person and was really impacted early on by God showing me kind of my hard heart toward people. I was a Pharisee. I mean, I think that's an easy way to sum it up. And that's part of the product of growing up as, as a good girl is you you start to you know believe your own press pretty much. So God really had to, to break me of that and, and show me all the ways, the many, many ways that... Um, that I was chained to sin like everybody else. And so I, I think a lot of the chosen um, and our extra writing and stuff has come out of God um, consistently reminding me of who I am without him um, in order to really step into who we get to be with him. So I think that it's kind of chronicles my my 40 plus years. <laughs> That's a really bold statement. I was a Pharisee. I, I, I mean, and I love it because uh, part of my testimony is the fact that I've been a believer forever, you know, uh, baptized as a baby, went to church every Sunday, but realized that I needed to be a seeker. I needed to, wow. to create a deeper relationship with him. But you have summed it up. I was a Pharisee. Oh, my goodness. That's a bold statement. And I appreciate that authenticity and vulnerability. And when I think of the Jenkins family, that's what I think of. You guys are very honest. Mm. and authentic and even vulnerable about the past and, you know, what everything means to you today. Yeah. I mean, we all have to be able to share our testimony in order to say what God is doing in our lives. Right. So um, nobody's drawn to a pretty picture that got pretty on its own. <laughs> mm -hmm. People want people want to know, you know, what were you saved from? And, and in order to kind of have the peace that you have now, you have to be able to be honest about your story. If you if you don't tell them what happened before, um, people don't appreciate what happened after, you know, meeting Jesus. So yeah, mm. we, we try to live that out for sure. Yeah. And I know we don't have a lot of time today, but can you sum up that testimony today? For myself, the before and after, I mean, the with the show, it's so interesting because um, God was doing that in our lives and just really breaking things down and then literally broke Dallas's career. And, um, and he had a, a pretty big movie fail, which really caused him to not be able to work um, in the industry anymore and then put this show on our hearts, his heart and then my heart about the life of Christ and the people who followed him. And so when you see yourself through the, the lens of the people around Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. you, you relate to Jesus in a totally new way. And so that learning to follow at 45, 46 years old in a totally new and, and radical way that mirrors more of the Bible stories I learned growing up. I mean, it kind of all comes full circle has been easily the coolest experience of my life in just it's so elementary of, of, you know, I used to plan things out. Now I, now I don't really, people are like, are you guys gonna, you know, how many seasons are you going to do? And we're, we say, well, seven God willing. I don't know. I don't know if we have one more season. I don't know if we have three more seasons. I don't know what's after this. I don't, I don't know. And, and being comfortable in that, I would, I would say the more, um, the closer I get to Jesus, the more just hands off I, I've become. So it's, it's, it's been pretty cool. Oh, so awesome. So you just said that first putting the chosen, you know, putting chosen on, on his heart and then your heart. 
but it is clearly on your heart now. Right now, those of you who are listening, I am showing uh, two um, uh, interactive Bible studies. I want to make sure I call it correct, correct interactive Bible studies. Sure. Um, <laughs> that well, and yeah, and I have two in my hand. There are actually three now um, because I just heard on Sunday that the third one is out. Yes, it just came out. We we had to hold it because we we didn't want any spoilers out. And and the Bible studies do include some script excerpts, so we had to actually postpone the street date of this last one because we wanted to wait until episode seven and eight were officially out. And as of the recording of this, um, it, they're going to be out. So um, all eight episodes of season three are out. So so is the book. So that's exciting. Yeah. And you wrote this book. Um, yourself, Dallas, and Dallas explains why he has a name in it. Um, and then Douglas Huffman. And um, Dallas, is, I mean, <laughs> you know how he is. He's very self-deprecating a lot. So he always says, well, <laughs> my name's on there just because I actually helped write the, the series. But but clearly this is your heart. Yeah. Uh, and it's even described as the chosen is the follow-up to the Bible study. That's what he said on Sunday. Um yeah. Tell us, tell us what that means, and and tell us what this means to you. Yeah, so um, I do write them with um, our New Testament Bible scholar who who speaks into the show and who we've known for a couple of decades and 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 trust. Um, you know, our heart for the show, we love the show. We love good TV. I mean, like we love TV, and so um, we it's fun to make a TV show and to make it about Jesus, who we love. But the show isn't scripture. It's mm. just not. And Dallas will be the first one to say, I, you know, he is not a pastor, and this is not the Bible. And um, but our hearts are that the show would push people back toward the Bible, and so we decided what what can we do to do that? And in between seasons, when people want more chosen, we thought that was a good opportunity to go, okay, let's, let's give them, let's give them more of the Bible, um, from just, you know, the way we talk and the way we process things. And, and, and so there's a lot of chosen-esque vibe to the Bible studies, but it's Bible study. And, um, and we have devotions that break it down into even smaller. So you can do the Bible studies or, or you can just grab one of our devotions and have a five minute thing in the morning. But, um, our hearts were that people would be drawn back to the Bible because that's where, you know, that's, that's our heart. That's the whole purpose of the whole thing that we're doing. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, why, why did you get involved at all? I mean, obviously we know it's, it's, it's part of the overall project, but you could have done other things. Why did you want to be involved in the Bible study? Well, I'm a writer and um, kids were all growing up and going back to school. And so I had this um, time I've, I've taught Bible studies for years. It was just, it was the perfect kind of merging. Dallas is doing this thing and are we live, eat, breathe the chosen. And so it makes sense that that's what I'm also doing, that I'm doing my Bible teaching, writing and the chosen all is all is one thing. It just made sense. And I think, you know, God, God is cool that way. He, he, he had this thing for Dallas to do. And, um, for such a time as this, uh, he had a thing for me to do right alongside him. So it's been, it's been fun. And honestly, we've never worked very well together. Like if there's a wall to be painted, that's not going to go well with the two of us together. But somehow this has been this really fun, like, oh, we can actually we can actually work alongside each other um, and agree on how it's going. So <laughs> it's been fun that way too. I think wives listening can probably understand what that is. Well, for, for those of for those of you listening who haven't read this, so it, it is a Bible study. But what I and the first one is called What Does It Mean to Be Chosen? That was the first one. And that made a lot of sense for that to be the title. And then the second one is Blessed Are the Chosen, of course. And if you've seen it already, 
you know, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, clearly the Beatitudes, that's a great title. What I really liked even more with the second one than the, I love them both, but it just, it does help us go deeper. Um, There's sections called for Bible nerds like us who want to know more. Um, And the first one, and even in the second one too, there's, there's a, well, yeah, no, it's definitely the second one. We saw, we saw it in both. We go deeper into the characters and yeah. the Bible characters and, you know, reading the Bible, um, it's, it's, there, are, there are Bible scholars who talk about how the Bible was written and the, the writing style that we see. And sometimes, um, sometimes we don't get a whole lot of um, clarity or, or, or specifics. And so we want to know more. But there are scholars who have done the research and who, and who can help us here. And I, I really love that part about it. I just happened to randomly open a page of the, of the second one, and it comes to Simon the Zealot, which um, he's got, he's, I love the way you're fleshing out his character. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so interesting. I think that's part of the fun of what we're getting to do in our lives is that how many times did I read those Bible stories with those names and just kind of go right over them? And, mm-hmm. and you must have them memorized like they're a part of a children's song, but you never really sit and think about. These were real people like us. And they had the same hangups and the same insecurities and the same struggles and confusion and, and all of that that we do. And so to actually take someone like Simon Z as, as one example and just go, okay, what what would have caused him? What were the zealots? And and why was he called that? And and what personality must he have had to have been that? And just to really ruminate, um, because that's how we identify with the scripture itself in in a, in a new, deeper way as well. Because these were real people um, who had the same questions that we would have for Jesus today. And so I've loved going deeper into the into the men and women who followed Jesus around because. I see myself in half of them, you know, so it's, it's, it's been great to go deeper for me, for sure. Real people, real places. Now, you know, in the, in the newest one, and this, this is going to, this is going to be after, you know, the, the last episode of the, of season three uh, has been on, we go to the Decapolis, we go to a place that, you know, that has to be kind of explained to us a little bit, the people who were living there. I mean, it's just all so interesting, but I just, I, I won't want to get off the call with you before I ask this question. Um, of season three, I know this is hard, but of season three, what's been your favorite episode? You know, uh, it surprised me actually. Uh, episode seven ended up being my favorite, and there are some incredible things in the final episode, and you know, jaw dropping, wonderful, amazing things. But um, there's a scene in episode seven between Mary and Matthew. Yes. Where they are talking about, you know, kind of what we've been touching on is that these these stories in your testimony and 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 how you see the ways that God reaches into your mess. And and Mary calls it, um, you know, she says sometimes God sends a dove. Um, and that he reaches down, that he reaches in. And of course, we see that in the final scene where Jesus actually reaches down um for Simon Peter, but um, but all the ways that we can go back through our own stories and our own lives and see the ways that God reached for us. And and just that she says, sometimes God sends a dove. I think that's my absolute favorite um scene in all of uh season three. So I, I would say most of the favorites have to do with with Mary for me, with Mary Magdalene. I will say really quickly, I didn't expect it. I did see the episodes at the theater. And I cried. I did cry. I, I'm not sure it was seven or eight because we saw it at the same time. But yeah. I cried. I never cried during the... I know a lot of people have cried. I never have. But I was very emotional 
mm-hmm. during this time. I think it might have been a little bit of that scene. And then also at the end, and, and I, I say no spoilers. We know what happened in the story, but <laughs> I, I do want people to, to see it on their own. Um, Amanda, thank you so much for talking today. Um, if For people who are listening, if they if they could do one thing for you, what what would you want them to do? Now that we've had three seasons of The Chosen, we have an opportunity to to get these Bible studies. And by the way, the merch and gear is amazing. But what do you you want people to do? Well, I mean, aside from make sure you have the app downloaded currently, and you need to probably re-download it. It's it's a new app, and so to make just to make sure you're up to date and seeing there there's so much great stuff, and and we kind of keep people aware of what we need at different times. And Dallas just sent out. Um, a text to his texting community that was a specific ask for prayer. Um, so that always keeps you up to date if you're up to date on that app. But um, but yeah, I mean, we need prayer like crazy. I mean, that's just the humble truth of it. This is hard work and it's um, it's cool and it's different and it's new, but, but it is like, a, it's just, it has taken off in a way that we are just clinging and hanging on for dear life. <laughs> and, um, and we want to do it well and we want to honor Jesus. And so just, just that people could pray for us, that we would stay faithful and clear-eyed and that we'd be able to wake up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to take that to heart and I definitely will pray. Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate the time you've given us. And it's just, it's a wonderful project that I, it's very close to my heart. And so, yeah. Thanks for having me. Really like being here. The Positively Joy podcast is a member of the Spark Media Network and can be heard on the Edify app. You know, it's pledge season on some public radio networks. We don't do that here, but we can't exist without your support. Join my friend SP in becoming a Patreon monthly giver. You can give as little as $5 and receive some great benefits. Go to PositivelyJoy.com and click support. Welcome back. The Reverend Leah Shade and I post an occasional series on entertainment and faith on this podcast. We've talked about evil on screen in the past, but the 2023 Grammys put the devil on full display on broadcast TV. Is this the latest Lil Nas X? Let's hear more from Reverend Shade. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about, well... The Grammys and Sam Smith and using evil to sell. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Yvette, for having me on again. It's always, always a fun ride with you on these uh, explorations of culture and religion, and uh, so I'm looking forward to this. Well, you know, I'm not necessarily happy that the, that Grammys um, imagery happened, but I was just thinking it's time we get back on here and talk about this. So um, for those who may have just joined us, uh, the Reverend Leah Shade and I post an occasional series on entertainment and faith. And we've talked about evil on screen in the past, but the 2023 Grammys put the devil on full display on broadcast TV. And I said, okay, we have to talk about this because and other people were talking about it as well. I, I looked at Twitter, and this is kind of where I first got started down this road. So Yvette Nicole Brown, who is an actress, and she, she does lots of stuff. She is a very active um, Twitter account. And she, she was the first person that I saw talking about it. Um, 
her original tweet was, um, what's happening on the Grammys right now? <laughs> and then everybody else started, you know, started talking about it. Um, somebody said, I don't know. This is New Harvest. Um, tweeted this. I don't know. I switched the channel once. Once I heard Unholy and saw all that red, I don't need to be exposed to everything. I have to be careful what I feed my soul. I came back in time for the commercials. And then she said, replying to that tweet, same. I was like, nope, not for me. And then there were several other people who who said some things. And so um, I did not watch the Grammys but I had to look up what was happening, you know, at that time. And um, Sam Smith, who I like, he's a great singer. He's done lots of different kinds of, I think, songs over the years. This new song, Unholy, when you listen to the lyrics, it is about a married man who cheats on his wife at a strip club. And so that's what the song is about. But the performance on the Grammys took it to a very, very satanic, demon-like, you know, performance. Lots of red, red, like, latex. He's wearing this top hat that has horns on it and all this kind of stuff, which, to me, doesn't do justice, maybe even to the song. I mean, the song is about adultery, but but it's still, I don't know. What do you think, Leah? Yeah, I I, I think that what I saw... I would not call it actually satanic. Um, satanic can, uh, has the idea that that people are either doing something evil or worshiping the devil. And I didn't see that happening on the stage. What I saw was a depiction of what um, what people can be tempted to do. And of course, it was over the top. It's the Grammys. Of course, they're going to do that. But in, I mean, in some ways, it's it's a sort of comic thing. You know, the the horn, the the red and the horns, is is sort of a typical trope that's used to depict evil. But to me, I I didn't. I was not offended by it. Um, I thought it was something that was describing what happens when someone is hearing their friend tell them about all of the horrible things that they're doing mm-hmm. and committing adultery, you know, cheating on, cheating on their um, spouse, leaving the kids at home, you know, that's one of the, the lyrics. And, uh, and so th- this was a depiction of it. But I, I want us to be careful that we don't confuse being descriptive with prescriptive. Mm. So I didn't feel that... That, the, that this performance was saying, okay, now everybody go out and do this. I think it was just the opposite. I think it was to say, it was to illustrate how seductive it can be. And, um, you know, e- even the, the, the music itself, and I'm a musician and we can talk a little bit about that, um, I, I think harkens on some, some musical themes that, that bring that into this as well. Mm, okay. So if you haven't seen it, um, and I always think you should watch it. You know, you should watch something before talking about it. So people who are listening, if you haven't seen it, you certainly can find clips of that show. The interesting thing is, um, as I said, he performed this on SNL where it wasn't quite that over the top. But as you say, this is the Grammys for sure. Um, 
I, I think that there were people who were concerned about it, uh, at least on Twitter. Uh, and then the other people who understood that it was a performance, that it was, you know, just that. When I first saw it, um, I mean, I do, I do agree with Yvette Nicole Brown's concern and her and her Twitter follower who said, I don't need to be exposed to everything. Because I do try to pick and choose what I'm exposed to. And those of you who've heard us talking before, I like horror movies. I mean, I think a well-made horror movie is great. I en- I enjoy it. But um, one more thing from Yvette, uh, and, and of course, we have the same name. <laughs> That's not why I like her. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so she says... Um, some people were saying, hey, uh, also, there was another aspect to this because his his uh, his co-singer um, is transgender. And so there were some people, I guess, trying to make sure that they were not talking against the co-singer. But Yves says this, I've heard the reasoning, but the devil is nothing to play with, no matter the reason. Um she says those who vilify the LGBTQ plus community are wrong, but dancing with the devil in quotes, literally and figurative, uh, figuratively is to mess around and get yourself in a trick bag trying to make a point. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I agree with that. And I do try and pick and choose what I'm watching. Like, you know, we've said on the show before, I had to stop watching the adventures of Sabrina, the teenage witch, because they just went too dark. They just went too far. Um, But people are still talking about this. Um, You said musically. Let's talk about how you saw this musically. Yeah. Um, So this was, uh, so I'm a musician. I play the harp. And when I listened to the music, I recognized right away that it was written in a minor key. Mm. And it actually reminded me of a piece called Dance Bacchanal by a composer, um, Camille Saint-Saëns, in his opera, Samson and Delilah, which is, of course, based on a biblical, the biblical story of Samson and Delilah. Mm-hmm. And in this particular part of the the music it's very exotic and there are these it, it is so a dance bacchanal it's a it's a drunken revelry and you know very seductive and you know this is all supposed to you know seduce samson and that sort of thing and the and the the, the tune uh, it, it was very reminiscent of the music that i heard in something unholy so and if you if you ever look at the opera, it's very similar where you've got these dancers who are very seductive and gyrating around the stage and, again, trying to seduce Samson. So it got me thinking, you know, we have depictions of seductive evil in the Bible. And when we see an opera such as uh, Camille Saint-Saëns and we see this depiction, nobody gets upset about that. But when we see the depiction, very much the same way, the seduction of a man for, you know, um, unholy purposes, people confuse the depiction with, like, that, that somehow this is evil itself. Like, if I talk about evil, it doesn't make me evil. So I don't think that this was intended to be something that promotes Satanism in any way. I think it was just the opposite to say, 
watch yourself because this is how seduction works. Mm, that's really interesting. I wonder if it's because, I wonder if it's the platform that we saw this. It's the Grammys, which is on broadcast TV, which, which I would say, I, I won't say that they necessarily draw a younger crowd, but it is accessible to a younger crowd. I mean, it's on, you know, it was on TV. So not on a cable channel, not on, not an opera that you'd have to pay to go to. So I wonder if there are some people who are concerned about just the imagery, uh, younger, not even kids, but maybe just younger, impressionable, you know, even teens and preteens. Maybe that's what they were concerned about. I'm not quite sure. As I said, Sam Smith's got a beautiful voice. I've liked his music in the past. And listening to the lyrics, yeah, it is, you know, the the only maybe the only thing about it was um the woman who who speaks i i took that to be the person he was having the affair with i took that to be the stripper because she's basically saying you know give me balenciaga give me all these things and it maybe it is a cautionary tale you know i can definitely see that but perhaps it was you know just the red and all the over the top you know, the the gyrating and the dancing. And we hear about issues of that anyway. Like whenever, so Rihanna is going to be at the Super Bowl this year. And I know that they're, and I'm not sure exactly how she's going to perform or if she's going to have dancers. But I know in the past, there have been some people who've complained about some Super Bowl performances because they're, you know, there's some dancers and gyrating and things like that. And again, people are saying that's, you know, the platform that it's on is too accessible to to lots of different people, lots of different ages. So I wonder if that's a concern. I, I mean, if, if there are platforms accessible to kids anywhere now. I mean, yeah. you know, I've got, I've got a teenage son, I've got a daughter in college, and they've been able to access things since, you know, since they were holding the screen in the palm of their hand. I, as a parent look at this as an opportunity to have a discussion about what we're seeing. And, and, you know, my son and I did discuss it and he's like, I just don't really like the song. It doesn't do anything for me. And, and like the imagery, he's like, yeah, whatever. Like it, it would, like it just rolled off of him. He wasn't like, Ooh, the devil. I'm going to worship the devil. now. I mean, I think we have to give kids more credit. Mm-hmm. I think that we have to, um, understand that they're discerning, that they can look at a a product like this, use their constructive thinking skills, uh, and and, and to say, um, or I should say critical thinking skills, and say, okay, I know know what's happening here. Um, You know, one of the things that, you know, as a, I teach preaching, and so I look at things as a text, and I look at the text in this case, of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I look at the text of the music, which we've already talked about, and I t- look at the text of the performance of what we're seeing. And I, I mean, if there's, if there's anything we can say about the commercial aspect of this, it, you know, if I'm a record executive and I'm looking at the history of what happens in the music business when somebody does something provocative and it gets people talking and it gets the morality police saying, oh, you can't do this, what does that do to sales? It drives them up. Mm. And so, um, yes, it could be you know, shown that, okay, 
let's just get the, 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 the people who are worried about this sort of thing angry so that then we'll be, you know, people will be talking about this. They'll be viewing it. There'll be more clicks. There, you know, it drives consumerism. It drives capitalism. So in that sense, I mean, I guess you could say it's demonic because personally, I think capitalism has a demonic nature to it because it's all <laughs> about consumption. Um, but in terms of the, the, the artists wanting to promote Satanism, I just didn't see that at all. And I don't think most discerning teens get that either. Mm. I, I do think there are examples that people have seen that I didn't quite get. Like, for example, uh, in the most recent Santa Claus movie that's on Disney Plus, which, of course, that platform definitely is for is for is for everybody. Um, there's this scene where the elves are dancing and singing and so happy that Santa is, is here. And they have Santa spelled out like with the card letters on cards and they get mixed up. They get in the wrong order and it says <laughs> Satan. Satan. <laughs> <laughs> it says Satan. But then, but then they realize what they've done and they quickly move back. So there were people talking about that. There were people that were concerned about that. I, I so I saw that myself because again I'm never going to discuss anything that I don't watch myself, and I did watch that and I I did think that that was a that was funny. I mean it was on purpose. Obviously everything that they do is on purpose, um, but I I did think it was funny. But perhaps if you're if your child's watching and they're like, "What's Satan, mommy?" Well, you know maybe yeah maybe it's an uncomfortable conversation you have to have. But I didn't think that that was promoting Satan as much, but. I guess I guess I am just a little concerned about some imagery. Now, I like Sam Smith and I don't know that this was his idea at all or he you know, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a music video. I haven't had a chance to watch that yet. Um I know on SNL when he performed, he performed with the devil hat, the hat with the horns on it, but he didn't there was no red, none of the other stuff was there. The Grammys was a very different performance than Saturday Night Live. Um so you know, I, I'm not saying that he that he himself was promoting anything or whatever, but I do agree with you that this was provocative and provocation sells. I totally agree with you. That was one question I was going to ask you and you've already answered it. Why do you think they did this? Of course, because we will be talking about it. And right. yeah, and we are. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we are talking about it for sure. Uh, there was another, this reminded me of another example. It was a music video by Lil Nas X for his song, Montero. It's a little different because in that video, it starts off with him in a garden, supposedly the Garden of Eden. There's a snake. But then we also see other devil imagery where he, he somehow slides down a stripper's pole to hell. Yes, that's really true. Mm -hmm. uh, and to, or to a hell-like, you know, situation. And then he does a lap dance on the devil. More, more stripping. I'm not quite sure why, why we see stripping in the devil. Um, he does a lap dance on the devil and then he ends up breaking the devil's neck and becoming the devil himself. I guess that's what that song was supposed to say. Um, and I talked about that because uh, between that and the fact that he, Lil Nas X, had promoted uh, some Gym, some gym shoes, athletic shoes, supposedly with drops of blood contained in the shoe. 
And it was like, you know, there are only so many made. So with those two things, I thought, okay, so he's trying to say something. I'm not saying that he's promoting satanic worship, but there's imagery going on in here that I would say, and certainly in the video itself, clearly Garden of Eden, he gets bit, he slides down the stripper pole to hell and does his does his thing. To me, that's very much more specific than the Sam Smith performance was. Um, but I, yeah, people were talking not, about it at the time. Right, right. I, and I have not seen that video. Mm-hmm. But from what you're describing to me, um, I do think it's interesting that you know, all of this is is drawing on a lot of biblical imagery. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's important to talk about, well, what do symbols mean? What do they evoke for people? Why do we have such a strong visceral reaction when we see certain things? There are archetypes. Um, you know, Jung talked about this, you know, they, the archetypes that go very deep in, in the human psyche and across different cultures and civilizations so that when we see a snake, we like, like if you do the word association, oh, evil, right? Like that, you know, because it crawls along the ground and, you know, it's got this ancient biblical story with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we see the, 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 the horned beast with the, the forked tail and the, and the, uh, and the, and the hooves, <clears throat> it's a, it's a depiction of this amalgamation of beast and human. In, and, it, and it's done in a way to both frighten and excite. And again, is this reflective of those inner drives of, of human beings? Or is it meant to um, promote it? The, you know, the intentions and their effects sometimes don't match up. Mm-hmm. But in any case... I think we have to have a serious conversation about what are the things that are being used to actually harm people. So, so like to me, if I'm thinking about symbolism and what tempts people to be destructive, it's more disturbing to me that members of Congress are wearing pins of AK-47s or AR-15s than it is for me to see Sam Smith dressed as the devil. I mean, to see members of Congress glorifying guns that have been, you know, I mean, just mass shootings after mass shootings. I mean, there's your blood, there's your gore. And to have people celebrating that and, and lifting that up in such a way, posing for their Christmas pictures with these guns, that to me is satanic. Mm. Well, that is a bold statement. And of course, we are speaking the morning after the State of the Union. <laughs> so just to give people some, some uh, context here. Uh, very, yeah, that's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. Um, you know, I think that there's going to be people who agree with you on that and people who very much disagree. And that's okay. I mean, this is our country and we can have our own opinions and we can we can disagree. Um, yeah, I mean, you might you might say, that this Sam Smith performance maybe was was showing that this adultery or going to strip clubs is wrong and you shouldn't do it. You might argue that video that video games depicting violence is is worse than this or or not. I mean you can have lots of different opinions. Um 
I guess I, I guess I'll I'll maybe close with this. Um, the Super Bowl is coming up. Rihanna's about to perform. Again, I don't know what she's going to do. When we watch this kind of mass entertainment, um, a lot of it that comes free to us, I'm going to do air quotes free because we have to pay for the equipment and all that. But the things that come free to us, should we look at them in a different critical lens than something that we have to perhaps pay for as far as you know, paying like a regular cable bill or going to the movies? Or should we just look at it kind of all the same and try to understand um, what the message that the artist is going for? Yeah, I mean, um, there there's always going to be this, this provocativeness that is trying to sell, it's selling viewerships. So it's free, but what's, it's not free because there is more advertising in the Super Bowl and they pay, you know, millions and millions of dollars to get their ads in front of people. And so you're trying you're trying to g- gain the attention of potential consumers. Mm-hmm. That's what this is about. And so does does the flesh sell? Absolutely. Um, you know, when when Janet Jackson had that unfortunate wardrobe malfunction, air quotes, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, everybody was talking about that. And, you know, anytime there's anything that is suggestive of um, sexuality or, um, um, you know, the the, the flesh, you know, you know, we, I I think it's, it's very interesting the way it reveals our uncomfortableness, even with the human body and what is appropriate and not appropriate and what is appropriate for females, what's appropriate for males. You know, all of this, I, I think art is trying to sometimes push those boundaries and push those lines, but art and consumerism are being fused in these huge moments of the Grammys, of the Super Bowl. I'll be very interested to see what Rihanna does, what she wears, how she moves her body, that sort of thing. Um, but it's... Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be something that is provocative, I'm going to predict, because that's, that's the whole platform. So true. So true. I just want to go and check a little bit to see if I can find anything about what Rihanna is going to do on the Super Bowl. Nothing that I can find, although the fact it's supposed to be uh, bigger and better, whatever that means. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Everything, you know, th- there, there's always, once you, once you cross one line... You got to cross the next line and you got to cross the next line. And I think it's, to me, it's more disturbing that we're desensitized about things that actually harm human bodies mm-hmm. than we are about desensitizing about what people do with their bodies and the privacy of their own home. That is its own problem. And I think the unholy song is not glorifying adultery. I think, you know, the, the character who's singing this song is he's critiquing his friend who's confiding in him about all of this stuff that he's doing. Yeah. And, and so I actually like, you know, when I was a pastor, I had a thing that I would do with the youth called music in the park. And I invited them to bring songs, contemporary songs that they thought spoke to religious themes um, so we did one time with Kanye West's Jesus Walks, and we did all kinds of different music. And if one of my 
confirmation students or youth would bring this song, I would absolutely want to talk about it with a youth group and talk about the symbolism and talk about the story, talk about the commandment about adultery. This, it's a great learning opportunity. It's a great opportunity for discussion with young people. Mm, mm-hmm. But if that's not happening and we're just maybe maybe knee jerk reacting, if that's what we're doing and maybe not having, you know, a real you know critical conversation, um, then are we you know, we're missing an opportunity to have these great discussions? Yeah, I think it's important for for adults to be watching what their young people are watching and engaging in those conversations together. Um I would much rather my teenagers say, hey, mom, come look at this. What do you think? Than feel like they have to hide something from me and consume it uncritically or feel like they can't have that conversation. So I've always had an open door policy of, all right, let's listen to these lyrics. Let's watch this movie. Let's, you know, watch this video. What do you think? What do you see? Because I want them to feel like they are an educated consumer and and not being taken in by things that that are just looking at them as a cog in the machine to buy 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 produce 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 think about what you're taking in what you're giving out and be you know uh, be discerning about that mm. so yeah okay i want to challenge listeners if you do have a song or a movie or anything that you wonder about, think think would be good fodder for discussion, send it in to the show, Yvette at PositivelyJoy.com. Let me say that again, Yvette at PositivelyJoy.com. Um, and Leah and I will take a look at it. We'll, we'll maybe have a good discussion about it. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. As usual, your insights are so needed and I appreciate you. Yvette, this has been a great opportunity. I always appreciate being able to have the opportunity to to talk about popular culture with you. And I look forward to the next time. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Please leave us a review and a ranking wherever you are listening. Special thanks to music composer Morel Sanders and to editor Susan Marie. For more podcasts, go to thejam.online to listen to Journalists Advancing Ministry about journalists who have left media for the ministry. And go to amazon.com to read Whispering in His Ear, my book of devotions that include life lessons, prayers, and journal writing, along with multimedia songs and spoken word. For Positively Joy t-shirts and other merch, go to PositivelyJoy.com and click shop.